0: Welcome back. This is the first episode of season three of Why MBA, a podcast brought to you by UCLA Anderson. And I'm your host, Alex Grodnick. Last season, we heard about the importance of trusting your gut from the head of video curation at Instagram, becoming the CFO of a multi-billion dollar fashion company in the middle of a pandemic, how two students formed a coalition to give back to their community during the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdown, and how innovation can be a source of improving people's lives from the Director of Strategy at the Gates Foundation. On this season of YMBA, we have more incredible conversations with immensely successful MBAs, and of course, the lessons and implications for how these stories apply to our rapidly changing world of business. On the pod today,
1: My name's Deb Johnson, and I'm the Chief Learning Officer for Deloitte Consulting.
0: But first, I don't think many people are familiar with what a Chief Learning Officer does. So let's start with that.
1: Chief Learning Officer basically means that I lead a team that is responsible for all of the training that's delivered to all of Deloitte Consulting professionals all across the United States and in our captive operations in India. So that includes everything from... Leadership skills, professional skills like project management, uh, communication skills, includes what we would call industry training, which is basically helping our consultants learn about the industries of their clients, right? Healthcare, biotech, financial services, and includes technical training. So helping people who implement technologies, learn about those technologies or people who do strategy work, you know, l- learning different kinds of strategy frameworks. And so it's the, all of that stuff Our s- almost 60,000 employees consume upwards of 2 million hours of learning a year in a whole range of live classroom, e-learning, virtual instructor-led, everything you can imagine in between.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's basically an, an MBA program that, that you've created for a company. <laughs>
1: Kind of, except there's way more students. Yeah, no, it is funny that I ended up in an education role I never would have imagined when I was in business school that this is where I would end up,
0: but but I love it. Interesting how life has a way of working itself out in that way. Now, Deb, I'm interested in hearing about what skills you prioritize when teaching Deloitte employees today.
1: There's so much to learn and only so many hours in a day to do it. But particularly when we look at the way that the world of business is accelerating, right? Technology is accelerating, change is accelerating. Oh, by the way, throw a pandemic on top of that, that there's a, an enormous amount that people need to do to keep their technical skills constantly refreshed. But in order to do that, we, we have this concept we call enduring human capabilities, right? The idea that in a world where a human being has to be constantly learning and growing and working alongside machines and ai that these these enduring human capabilities you know and, and, and things like resilience and curiosity and emotional intelligence and and connected teaming are even more important in order for people to be able to you know get out of bed in the morning and face the day and and actually have a chance of being relevant in in a world that's accelerating so fast so so we are doubling down in our da- training in both of those areas to try to prepare ourselves for the the work of the future.
0: I love that approach, Deb. To prepare for the work of the future. That can apply to anyone, regardless of if they're just starting out their career or comfortably sitting atop their accolades. Look at Disney, for example, a company currently making billions of dollars of revenue every year. But are they static? No. They recently launched Disney Plus and are leveraging their fate on streaming services. Why? Because they're preparing for the work of the future. Now, Deb, I'd love to take a deep dive into your career journey, which is almost perfectly summed up by a piece of advice your father gave you many years ago. What was that advice?
1: His career advice to me was, well, oh, don't, don't worry about it. Just do something that seems interesting to you now, and it'll lead you to something interesting later, which at the time I thought was like the dumbest advice ever. But in retrospect, it was absolutely right. That's, that's exactly what has happened.
0: All right, Deb, let's get into your journey.
1: I'm a Midwesterner. I grew up in a little town called Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, Go Badgers. Uh, But actually went to college in New York. Originally, I went to NYU for undergrad. uh, And at that moment in my life, what I thought I wanted to do was produce live theater. I had this I, I was a big theater nerd in high school, and I had this idea that I was going to study dramatic literature and economics, get sort of a business degree and become a theatrical producer. Uh, So I did that, I went to NYU and worked in different arts organizations when I was in school and then the summer before my senior year, I decided my whole goal that summer was just to make enough money that I could spend the summer in New York, that previously I had gone to other places. And so I went down to NYU's Career Center. In those days, you know, 100 years ago, the internships were in a, like a binder, a literal binder. And you went down to the Career Center and you flipped through the binder. And I found this little consulting firm that was hiring like an office administrator, you know, someone to like answer the phones and help them write proposals. And, and they were paying $15 an hour, which at the time was like a princely sum. And so I applied and they they hired me. And it was a it was a very nice little firm. They did healthcare consulting. It was just like these four guys that had started their own little firm. I was their first employee. But then at the end of my senior year, when I was applying, you know, looking for a, a full-time job, I had on my resume that I had worked at this consulting firm. It was called Industrial Consultants Group. And so all of these consulting firms, including Deloitte put me on their interview schedule so that they wanted to interview me and they did. And then as it turned out, Deloitte, you know, made me an offer, which I accepted and it turned out to be wonderful. So that's how I got into consulting. I sort of, I sort of fell into it, not knowing what I was really getting myself into.
0: Fascinating how the best inventions or life choices are often by happenstance. How did you end up liking consulting?
1: I loved it for somebody like me who was just starting out and who, didn't really know quite what I wanted to do when I grew up. Consulting is a wonderful career, right? You you get to sort of have a, a window into many different organizations, many different industries, learn about kind of what makes them tick, what kinds of strategic issues they deal with. So it was really interesting and stimulating. And I, I learned a lot in those two years. And I ultimately decided to go back to business school, which is, I think, pretty common for, you know... Firms like Deloitte have, you know, sort of a a regular expectation. You know, people work for a certain number of years and go back and get an MBA. Some of them will be uh, sponsored for their MBA, which I actually was by the firm, and then come back at a, a, you know, with new skills at a higher level.
0: Okay. So at this point, were you fully committed to a career in consulting or did you still have aspirations to work in theater?
1: Honestly, I didn't really totally give up the idea of working in the arts. I I went to work at Deloitte the way I think a lot of people do out of undergrad thinking, "Oh, it'll be great. I'll do it for a few years. I'll I'll learn some things. I'll gain some valuable skills and, you know, then later I'll I'll go back." And actually when I was applying to business school, one of the reasons I applied to Anderson was it was in LA and I like, you know, I sort of still had this idea that maybe the arts were interesting, maybe not theater, but maybe film and television, and that you know, I could get into there. And and Anderson's location in you know, in LA and the sort of the hub of entertainment appealed to me. So, so even then, I was still sort of thinking about it. And actually, when I was a student at Anderson, I, I did a bunch more internships. I worked at Walt Disney and their home video finance group. I worked at Sony and theatrical distribution. Uh, I spent some time working for emi music in their distribution arm so I, I did a whole bunch more internships and which once again confirmed my my understanding and i sort of fi- finally got it through my head that it wasn't the place for me culturally in terms of having a seat at the table where sort of interesting decisions were being made so i i ended up finally sort of letting go of that kind of fantasy idea i had in my head but it shaped my choices for quite a long time.
0: As do most of our childhood dreams. Even if they don't always come to fruition, I find that any experience which gives you more clarity into what your true calling is, well, that serves a purpose. It's like making a statue out of a large block of marble, you have to cut away those parts that don't serve the whole. All right, Deb, after earning your MBA and going back to Deloitte, what happens next? I was in
1: the LA office, you know, working doing a customer channel strategy with telecom and media clients. And then, as happens, I got pregnant. And at that moment, I wanted to get off the road for a little while. The consulting lifestyle, particularly then, not so much now, but particularly then, was really travel intensive. And I just wanted a break from that. So I I looked around the firm and I just sort of lucked into it. I, uh, I had a relationship with one of our partners in the L.A. office who had been asked, uh, just recently been asked to take on a leadership role for our women's initiative and diversity and inclusion efforts for the firm. And she said, well, I told him I'd only do it if they let me have a chief of staff. Do you want to do that? And I said, absolutely, I want to do that. So um, that was really my first time I worked in a a role that was really a, a talent role, right? It was all about recruitment, retention, advancement, of women and minorities. And that really opened my eyes to that world of talent issues, HR issues. And I found I, I really enjoyed that much more even than what I had been doing before. So ultimately decided to, to make a
0: career change. Wow. Who was the partner in the LA office that hired you?
1: Yeah. So she was a a partner in our healthcare practice, actually an Anderson alum as well, Diane Davies. So it's a, it's a small world now that I think about that connections, connections,
0: connections. That's part of the enduring value of business school. Now, how did you finally end up in your current role as the chief learning officer?
1: I was asked to join a team that was working on a more traditional HR project. It was looking at our competency models and thinking about how, you know, how we set expectations for practitioners. And the person who was creating this team said to me, I want you to do this project, but in order to do it, we're gonna we're gonna move you into the talent organization permanently. Don't worry, it'll be fine. You know, I was okay. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But I went over and I I worked on that project and then I did a number of what are sort of HR strategic projects looking at career progression and senior manager development and all sorts of things. And it was in those in that space, when I met the guy who was who was our chief learning officer for consulting at the time, and he asked me, he had an open position on his team and and asked me to, you know, would I take this role, leading learning for our human capital practice, which is one portion of our our consulting business, and so I did, and and that was my first kind of formal job in the learning and development organization, uh, and that was in. I guess 2009. And I, I've been here ever since.
0: Flexibility or rolling with the punches. You might even have this attribute listed on your resume, but when push comes to shove, are you willing to sacrifice what you think you want to be doing for an opportunity that presents itself? Deb was, and it ended up paying off big time. All right. Lastly, any advice for people wanting to break into consulting?
1: Consulting is a career about intellectual curiosity, right? And so I would encourage people who are interested in that to cultivate their curiosity, right? Learn new things, learn how to ask good questions, really work on your communication skills. Effective communication is one of the most important skills, I think, really in any career, but certainly in a professional services organization and analytical skills, you know, everything now is so much more data-driven than it ever was because of what is possible with big data. And the amount of analysis that happens on projects, working with clients, I've seen that go up dramatically in my, you know, 20 years with the firm more. So I would say be quantitative, be analytical, focus on your strategic thinking, focus on your communication skills, and cultivate your your curiosity and your agility.
0: We all like to make grand plans and have dreams of running huge companies one day. Where we differ is how we will achieve those dreams and if we will be happy or not along the way. What I like so much about Deb's journey and her attitude is how open she's been to jump into new opportunities and roll with the punches along the way. Of course, Deb had big dreams, but she wasn't so rigid in how she would accomplish them. That's the key here. Be steadfast with your goals, but flexible in how you achieve them. Deb wanted to work in the arts, but that's not what she did after college. She took an interesting job in consulting and started down her path. Next, she had the opportunity to go to business school. What a perfect chance to explore new things. And that's exactly what she did. Deb did a bunch of internships, and after those experiences, then she was able to say with confidence that the entertainment industry, it wasn't for her. That's one of the huge luxuries that coming to business school affords you. You get to try new jobs, new industries, new functions, and really home in on what's right for you. And then know truly that you are doing the right thing. And plus, you never should give up on your dreams. Listen to how theater plays a role in Deb's career now. And
1: it comes back in funny ways. So in my current role now, Deloitte has a big training facility in Dallas. We call it Deloitte University. And we do big live training programs there. And it has a ballroom where we do plenary sessions. And I remember the first time I was sitting in a meeting with our production team there. And they're asking me these questions about this plenary. You know, what do you want the stage to look like? What kind of visuals? What kind of lighting do you want? Do you want people seated theater style or in the round? And I, I had this realization like, oh, my God, I'm... I'm doing it, I'm producing
0: live theater with a purpose. As Deb said, the world of business is accelerating. As she lays out the education strategy for 60,000 hardworking and driven consultants, I think she is in a unique position to provide advice. So what does she say? Of course, keep your technical skills in shape. But what I find more interesting is what she called focusing on your enduring human capabilities, being resilient, curious, emotionally intelligent, and a good team player. These are the skills you will need to excel in whatever you choose to do in our rapidly changing world. Thanks so much for listening. We have many great episodes to come this season and be sure to check out Anderson on social media at UCLA Anderson.